And the fard is very important because the fard allows us to get closer to Allah. Allah says that uh, the, the best way my slaves get closer to me is by completing the fara'id. So this is actually where we're kind of in a state of loss because we don't have that opportunity anymore. But inshallah, there is another fard coming up, but that is for a select few. In the next few months, we will have the hajj season that is coming up. So very few of us will be able to engage in that fard. So we seek Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's help, His mercy, in fulfilling all of the fara'id. And we should view the fara'id as opportunities, not burdens. Yes, it is a type of responsibility that is placed upon our shoulders. So naturally, our minds start thinking of it as a burden, but it's not a burden at all. Each fard is an opportunity for us to get closer to Allah. As he says in the hadith, the best way for my slaves to get closer to me is by completing the fara'id, the compulsory actions that I have imposed on them. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continues in the hadith, and He says, My slave completes the fara'id, the compulsory actions, and then they couple with that the sunan and the nawafil. Sunan are the actions that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa used to show us, used to highly encourage that we are highly encouraged to perform. And the nawafil are extra acts, optional acts of worship. We've done many of that during Ramadan. And there is always opportunities to do the nawafil. Even tomorrow, if someone wants to fast, or you know, on Mondays, Thursdays, the 13th, 14th, 15th of the lunar months, those are optional fasts, or those are the sunnah fasts. So those are not fad, but those are next in line. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in that hadith Qudsi, that the best way to get close to him is through the fara'id. And then he says, my slave will complete the fard. And then they'll do the nafal and the sunnah until they reach a state where I love them. So this is very valuable. The love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Notice the hadith does not say that they love me. It's actually of a higher daraja and a higher degree. What's more important? That we love Allah or Allah loves us. If Allah loves us, that's of course going to be of a higher degree. And that already entails that we love Him. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, if you do the fard, and then you couple with that, the sunnah, and you couple that with the nawafil, and you avoid and you abstain from the haram, you will experience a state where Allah will love you. And this is of a high degree. This, this hadith is actually talking about the awliya, the special chosen servants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Who are the special chosen servants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the rest of the hadith, فَإِذَا كُنْتُ أَحْبَبْتُهُ When I love someone, then I, I become the ears through which they hear, or the, the, the hearing through which they hear. I become the sight through which they see. I become the speech through which they speak. I become the arms and legs through which they walk and they grasp. So what does this mean? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not transform into anyone. He's transcendent and above all of that. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is speaking metaphorically here. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that this person, because they have stuck to the fara'id, that which is compulsory, and they've coupled that with the sunnah and the nawafil, I give them hidayah. This is the, 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 the main fruit of ibadah. When we say every day in Surah Al-Fatiha, we're saying, إِهْدِنَا الصِّرَاطُ الْمُسْتَقِيمُ Guide us, give us hidayah and guidance towards the straight path. This is how you get the guidance. 
and the fruit of guidance, the result of guidance, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, is that I become their sight, their hearing, their speech. Everything they do essentially is according to what Allah wants. So what does it mean that Allah becomes your sight, Allah becomes your hearing? It means your sight is as if Allah has full control over it. It will not gaze towards that which Allah dislikes. It will not be used, your hearing will not be used in regards to that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala dislikes. Your tongue will not speak anything that Allah doesn't like. So that this is true hidayah, this is guidance. How we get that guidance is through obedience. We obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when we obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He chooses us. He will actually save us from wrong. And this was the level of the Anbiya alayhimu salatu wasalam. They were guided by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is currently the level of the, the awliya of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In one hadith, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa says, Inna lillahi ahlin minan nas. Indeed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has, the, the word used in the hadith is ahlin, meaning family members among people. We know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is transcendent from having physical, actual, literal family members. He has no wife, he has no child, he has no associate. But here, this is used metaphorically. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has a family in the sense that these people are very close to Allah. If you think about how close your family members are to you, extremely close, there's no one closer to us. So in the same light, there's no one closer to Allah than these people, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa is saying. Qalu manhum ya Rasulullah. The Sahaba wanted to know, who are they, O Rasulullah? Who are these people who are so close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? We want to be among them. Qala ahlul Qur'an hum ahlullahi wa khasatu. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam responded, those who are the, the quote-unquote family of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, extremely close people of Allah, they are the people of Qur'an. The people of Qur'an. Ahlullah, they are the people of Allah. Wa khasatu, and His special servants. The way you can get close to Allah, through the fara'id, through the sunan and nawafil, another means is through the Qur'an. The Qur'an came from Allah, and it is the manifestation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's sifa, His eternal attribute. This is the Qur'an. It's not the words of a human being. <coughs> These words that we're reciting in salah, that we have the Qur'an, they're the words of the creator of the universe. And if you recite them, if you learn their meanings, if you apply it, you become Ahlullah. You become the people of Allah. His close inner circle, the, the group that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala truly loves. So this is how we can connect with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by connecting through the Qur'an. We do not see Allah. We do not speak directly with Allah in a face-to-face -face conversation. Yes, in salah we speak to Allah directly. When we raise our hands, we, we make dua directly to Allah. We have no intermediary. When you lift your hands, there's no one between you and Allah. But a face-to-face -face conversation, we don't see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We believe in Him and He sees us. But we do get to see His kalam. You can open up the Qur'an, you can stare directly at the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. These are the words that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent to Rasulullah. You can recite the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How lucky you and I are, how thankful we should be to be able to communicate with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to interact with the eternal attribute of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to look at the knowledge of Allah. When you're reading the Qur'an, you're staring right at the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We need to be aware of this when we recite. 
the individual who created the heavens and the earth, everything in between. When you're opening up the Qur'an, that knowledge which is in the Qur'an is not the knowledge of a human. It's not the knowledge of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa at all. None, none of the Qur'an is Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa words. These are all Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's words. So we're interacting directly with the knowledge of Allah, the wisdom of Allah, the guidance of Allah. And this is how you get close to Him. This is the sole message that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has sent to humanity. And it's our duty to read it. We have no excuse. Not even the illiterate has an excuse. If you don't know how to read and write, you also do not have any excuse not to learn the Qur'an. Actually, the ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa is a literate ummah. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa says in the hadith, we are an illiterate ummah. نَحْنُ قَوْمٌ عَجَمْ Or he says, uh, I forgot the word that Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa uses. But he says, we are a nation that is not literate. But when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the first words of the Qur'an, he says, iqra, recite. And through the barakah of that one revelation, recite. We have generations upon generations of the most literate people in the world coming and the greatest scientists that the world have seen in Islam. So we are actually a very literate people. We're supposed to be literate. So even if someone is illiterate, they don't know how to read and write, they can still learn the Qur'an orally as Nabi sallallahu passed it on. We have absolutely zero excuse. Absolutely none. If someone is blind, they can still learn the Qur'an. Only when a person is bereft of any type of sense. They cannot see, hear, speak, nothing like that. Then they will not have to uh, read the Qur'an. But if they can communicate, if there's any capability, we need to learn the Qur'an. This is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's message. It's all of our duties. This is not fard kifaya, meaning one person in the, in the entire society needs to learn the Qur'an and we're absolved of this duty. Each one of us, it's a responsibility. And so we, we highly encourage the recitation, the learning of the recitation, as well as learning of the translation and meaning. But it's, it's something beyond that. Right? We're, 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 we sometimes sugarcoat it. We say, okay, try. Inshallah, you can do well. It's actually more important than that. If we don't do it, we will be punished by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, أَوَلَمْ نُعَمِّرْكُمْ مَا يَتَذَكَّرُ فِيهِ مَنْ النَّذِيرُ did I not give you a life long enough to realize and take a lesson for those who wanted to take a lesson? And you had several warnings that came from me. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this ayah, He's telling you that you have a life long enough. All of us here that I'm seeing, we had a life long enough to take a lesson that I need to turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, on top of that, I sent Rasulullah, I sent the Quran, I sent all of these things to you. We have zero excuse. You and I, we have no excuse not to learn the Qur'an. This is our du absolute duty. So, in another narration, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa says, Recite the Qur'an because the Qur'an on Yawm al-Qiyamah will intercede on your behalf. We all know the horrors and the difficulties that all of us will experience on Yawm al-Qiyamah. If we were an individual that recited Qur'an, that practiced on the Qur'an, then the Qur'an itself will manifest itself in a beautiful form. And it will talk to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on our behalf. Imagine, you have a lawyer on Yawm al-Qiyamah, in the grave as well, and on Yawm al-Qiyamah, the Qur'an will be a lawyer on your behalf, a wakil on your behalf. And that individual who has the Qur'an as their lawyer, they're not going to fail. Because this is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
Allah is going to accept the Qur'an. In, in certain narrations, Rasulullah lets us know that Surah Al-Mulk, Surah Al-Sajdah, if a person was habitual of reciting them on a nightly basis, they will speak to Allah. I recall reading a narration where they will say to Allah, save this person from your anger, from your punishment, or take me out of the Qur'an. One of the two. And of course, Allah is not going to take it out of the Qur'an. So definitely Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to save this person. And that's because of this person's connection with the Qur'an. So the Qur'an is extremely important that we have, uh, you know, the Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy, His intercession. And we get that through the Qur'an. In another very beautiful narration, Rasulullah sallallahu said, يُقَالُ لِصَاحِبِ الْقُرْآنِ وَارْتَقِي It will be said on Yawm Al-Qiyamah to the person who had learned the Qur'an. Recite and keep on elevating. وَرَدِّلْ كَمَا كُنْتَ تُرَدِّلُ فِي الدُّنْيَا Recite as you used to recite in dunya. The way you used to read in this world, recite. And this will be on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. فَإِنَّ مَنْزِلَكَ عِنْدَ آخِرِ آيَةٍ تَقْرَأُهَا A very beautiful hadith. So, اِقْرَأْ وَارْتَقِي On Yawm Al-Qiyamah, when people are going to Jahannam, when people are going to Jannah, you know, the de- decision is being made where people are going to go. If you learned the Qur'an, and this is specifically talking about those who used to recite it in dunya, perhaps a hafiz, perhaps those who used to look at the mushaf as well. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will have it said to this person, recite the Qur'an as you used to recite in dunya, the way you used to recite. So the way we recite now, think about that. How do you recite? Is this, this is the way you're going to recite on Yom Al-Qiyamah. So the person of Qur'an will be told, recite like you used to recite in dunya. For every ayah that you read, you will reach a new stage in Jannah. And your level in Jannah is going to be where you stop in the Qur'an. And this is why some scholars say that there are as many stages in Jannah as there are ayahs of the Qur'an. Every single ayah of the Qur'an is a different stage in Jannah. So the person that can read from Surah Al-Fatiha all the way to Surah Al-Nas in dunya, he will have the highest levels of Jannah because he's reached the last stage. And the person that can read only Fatiha, he'll have stage 7. The person that can read Fatiha in the last 10 surahs, probably stage 100. Allahu alam how many ayahs there are. But thousands of ayahs in the Qur'an, where do you want to be in Jannah? How high do you want to be? Are you happy and, and satisfied with the lowest level? Then you just need to learn Bismillah. But if you want a little bit more than that, and we should all aspire for more, because when it comes to dunya, we aspire for the most. I have yet to see a person who says, I would like a cardboard box as a house, and you know, like a tricycle or something that I can, or a little bicycle I can move around in, and a little bit of, you know, a a slice of bread every single day. I would be happy with that. I've yet to see someone like that. If you know someone like that, then please let me know, inshallah, we should shake their hands. They've left the dunya. Perhaps they did it for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why is it we're so comfortable with the akhirah? We want this for the akhirah. Oh, if I just barely make it into Jannah, I'm fine with that. You know, some people say this out of respect for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that I don't deserve Jannah. And if Allah gives me the lowest level, then I'm happy. Yes, we should have this attitude. But our actions should not reflect that. We should not avoid any good deed and say that, okay, I have iman, inshallah, I'll just barely make it. And I'm complacent with that. That shouldn't be the case. That is a lack of faith. Because in dunya, we don't do the same. So in this hadith, Nabi sallallahu says, it will be said on Yawm Al-Qiyamah to all of us, the people of Qur'an. Inshallah, Allah make us all the people of Qur'an. 
The angels will tell us, read. We want to hear you recite. So you'll have a Hivs exam. How much Quran did you memorize? How much did you practice? How much did you learn in dunya? And you'll be reciting on Yom Al-Qiyamah. And every single ayah you recite, you'll go higher and higher in Jannah. So our goal is we want to learn all of the Qur'an. If you take your deen seriously, then why not start memorizing? Do as, as, as much as you can. Who knows who's going to live for as how long they're going to live. Maybe Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give you a, a long life, 100 years of age. If you start now, you just do a little bit, a little bit at a time, you will become a hafid one day. So this is something that we should keep in mind that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves the Qur'an. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also loves the people of Qur'an. So I wanted to share a very beautiful hadith, inshaAllah. And that is in regards to the, the, the beauty of Qur'an. So there's this narrator, his name is Al-Harithul A'war. He was a friend of Ali radiallahu anhu. Or one of those who used to follow Ali radiallahu anhu. He was not a Sahabi, he was one of the Tabi'een. So he says in one narration, مَرَرْتُ فِي الْمَسْجِدِ وَكَانَ النَّاسُ يَخُوضُونَ فِي الْأَحَدِيثِ One time I came in the masjid, and this is likely going to be in Kufa because Ali radiallahu anhu moved over there. He says, I, I walked inside the masjid, the major masjid in Kufa. I saw people there talking about various different things. And likely what it seems from the context, they were engaged in politics. We understand in the time of Ali radiallahu anhu, there was a lot of political affairs. Everyone had their own opinion. But they're in the masjid, the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and they're talking about politics. فَدَخَلْتُ عَلَىٰ عَلِي بْنِ أَبِي طَالِبُ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ So I, I went to meet Ali radiallahu anhu. After hearing all this and seeing all of this discussion of politics in the masjid. And it's incorrect to talk about things of the, the world inside the masjid. We're not supposed to be talking about politics. We're not supposed to be talking about all these extra external affairs. What we talk about in the masjid is above the earth or below the earth. That's, the, that's what you talk about in the masjid. Above the earth, meaning you talk about the heavens and Jibreel islam and the Quran and Wahi and what's going to happen in the hereafter. Below the earth, what happens when you die? This is our subject matter. So these people are talking about political issues. So he goes to Ali radiallahu anhu and he says to him, فَقُلْتُ يَا أَمِيرَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ أَلَا تَرَى أَنَّ النَّاسَ قَدْ خَاضُوا فِي الْأَحَدِيثِ So he said, oh Amir al-Mu'mineen, he was the Khalifa at the time. There's people talking about all these political issues in the masjid. Don't you see what's happening? قَالَ وَقَدْ فَعَلُوهَا So Ali radiallahu said, is that, is that really what's happening? They're not talking about Allah in the masjid, they're talking about who's right, which uh, person is supposed to be the political leader, what action he did that is not praiseworthy, what, what action are we supporting. So, قُلْتُ He said, yes, that's, that's what's happening. I just heard that. قَالَ أَمَا إِنِّي قَدْ سَمِعْتُ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ عَلَيْهِ وسلم قَالْ إِنَّهَا سَتَكُونُ فِتْنَةً So, Ali radiallahu anhu, he said that, I heard from with my own ears that Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa told us that soon there will be a great fitna. This seems like a part of that fitna. A great trial in the ummah that will occur. And that is when the ummah stops practicing on the Quran and Hadith. We're told not to talk about these issues. These people are bringing it into the house of Allah. If the houses of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are not pristine, if they're not taken care of, if, they are, if the rules of the house of Allah are not taken care of, then there's going to be a pandemonium outside. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not going to take care of us. So he, he said, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, there's going to be a huge fitna when this happens. قَالَ قُلْتُ فَمَا الْمَخْرَجِ 
So he said, okay, what is the way out? How do we return back to the pleasure of Allah? How do we avoid the fitna? How do we avoid the anger, the wrath, the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? You know, because what we're doing right now is not praiseworthy. And in today's time, all the more, where we are not doing what is pleasing Allah in the masajid. Let us observe what we say, what we do, how we behave in the houses of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There's a certain etiquette that is to be observed. You know, when we go to a prime minister or a king or a royal you know, gathering, let us observe how we behave over there and compare that to the masjid. You are in the most sacred of places. You are in the house of the king of the universe. And then we're relaxed or we're, we're stretching our legs out, we're lying down any which way. There's a certain etiquette that we have to observe. And we have to observe that Allah is watching. So anyway, Hadith, he says, what's the way out? How do we go back to what is the pristine method of the Sahaba? So then, Ali radiallahu anhu mentioned something very beautiful in this narration. He says, Kitabullah. The way you go back is the book of Allah. Fihi naba'u man wa ma ba'dakum. In the Kitab of Allah, there is news of those who came before you, information about them. And khabaru ma'badakum. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks to you about future events as well. Read the book of Allah, you will find out. Wa hukmu ma And in the Quran, you will find the rulings between yourselves. When you dispute, when you have some kind of issue with one another, you'll find the answer in the Quran. The Quran is the final decision. It's not a joke. When you look in the Quran, you don't find jokes in the Quran. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't joke with us. He's very serious. What he says in the Quran goes. It's Allah's way or the highway. مَنْ تَرَكَهُ مِنْ جَبَارٍ قَصَمَهُ اللَّهِ Anyone who leaves out the Quran out of arrogance, he says, I don't have to read that book. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will break him. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will destroy that person. Due to their arrogance, if they refuse to read the Quran, and this is why we should be scared, am I avoiding reciting the Quran because of arrogance? Do I feel that there is a better book? Maybe I'm not saying it verbally with my mouth, but if I feel like there's better books to read than the Quran, this is a type of arrogance. I feel like there's something better than the Quran. He says here, those who leave out the book of Allah due to arrogance, Allah will break that person. Anyone who seeks hidayah and guidance, they seek a way of life somewhere outside of the Quran, Allah will lead them astray. What are we doing in today's time? We open different types of social media, we open up YouTube, we're, we're seeking guidance. We want to see how should I eat, how should I behave, how should I interact. And we're doing this everywhere other than the Qur'an. He says here, if someone seeks knowledge and guidance in something other than the Qur'an, Allah will seek, make them go astray. Allah will make them go astray. That's what's happening to us. We think we're guided, we're absolutely misguided. Until we open up the Qur'an and read it. The Qur'an is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's firm rope. It's, it's a metaphor. The firm rope of Allah. It's like all of us are falling into the fire of Jahannam. Only those who hold firm onto this rope are saved. This is the one rope you have. If you hold on to it, you will be saved from the fire of Jahannam. This is the wise reminder of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Quran is the Sirat Mustaqim. It is the straight path. In the tafsir of Ihdina Sirat Mustaqim, Many Sahaba and Tabi'een, they say it's Qur'an itself. Those who follow the Qur'an, their desires do not overtake them. The Qur'an is not altered by desires. 
So you can be saved from your desires. When we recite the Qur'an, those who are proficient in their recitation, they don't mess up in the recitation of Qur'an. Scholars of the Qur'an never get tired of it. You and I, we get tired of the Qur'an. But we get to see those who have spent the most time with the Qur'an, they are most desirous of it. We find such scholars, they, they read Qur'an over and over. As soon as they finish a khatam, they start another one. So this is what he's talking about here. Ulama, real scholars, they never get tired of Qur'an. The Qur'an never gets old. You'll always find new things when you recite it. You'll find people who have done thousands of khatams, thousands of times they've read the Qur'an with understanding, yet they still read it. They never say, okay, I read it enough, I got it. If you read any other book, you can say, okay, I've read it enough times, I understand what the book's about, I'll give you a summary, I'm done. The Qur'an never gets old. And you always get a fresh understanding every time you recite it. The beauties, the amazements, the, the outstanding things that are in the Qur'an, they never finish. You will always find more. This is the same Qur'an which when the jinn heard it, they said that this is an amazing thing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We've heard a Qur'an ajaba, a very ajib and special thing. It guides towards righteousness and we believe in it. The jinn, they were prepared to accept it. You and I who are of the same species as the Rasulullah we turn away. But when the jinn heard it, they said, wow, this is amazing, let us follow it. So what is wrong with us? The jinn can follow it and we can't. مَنْ قَالَ بِهِ Anyone who states the Qur'an has spoken the truth. Anyone who quotes the Qur'an, who utilizes the Qur'an, who learns it, practices it, and preaches it, has spoken the truth. وَمَنْ عَمِلَ بِهِ أُجِرْ And a person who practices on the Qur'an will be rewarded greatly, handsomely, by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَمَنْ حَكَمَ بِهِ adal. And the person who judges according to the dictates of Qur'an has done justice. وَمَنْ دَعَى إِلَيْهِ the person who calls towards the Qur'an has guided towards the straight path. This is a very comprehensive statement of Ali radiallahu anhu regarding the Qur'an. This is the beauty of the Qur'an. This is what you and I are missing out on. It's not that we are depriving Allah. We're depriving ourselves. And that's why we say in the dua, إِنِّي I have done wrong to myself, a great wrong. We cannot wrong Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We don't harm Him in the least. We harm ourselves. When we decide to put away the Qur'an, when we decide not to recite the Qur'an, when we decide not to read the translation to understand its meanings, we're only depriving ourselves. In another hadith, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa says, the Qur'an is the spread of Allah. The ma'idah, ma'duba of Allah. Allah has spread before you a delicious meal. That is the Qur'an. Those of you who want to take from that meal may have the meal of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And those of you who do not wish to have it, then they can go their way. But it's there. The Qur'an is there. You have to open it. You have to recite it, inshallah. So just a few points. What can we do, inshallah, regarding the Qur'an? I know time is up, but very briefly. Number one, we can recite the Qur'an properly. We need to do this. Each one of us. It's not fard kifaya. It's fard ayn, meaning... It's not a collective responsibility that one person needs to learn tajweed. 
every single Muslim who is going to stand in salah needs to recite Quran as it was re- revealed. There are certain rules and regulations. You can't just read Quran any way you want. You know, the famous example is qalb and kalb. Everyone who knows Arabic, how many times the word qalb comes in the Quran? Qalb means heart, and it's with a qaf. And if you don't know how to pronounce that, and you say kalb, it means dog. So if you're going to read an ayah that says that Allah guides people's hearts, you're actually saying Allah guides people's dogs. So that's something that we don't, we don't want to do that. We don't want to read, we don't want to distort the message of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we have to learn the Qur'an according to the rules of tajweed. So we have to seek out these different uh, lessons of how to recite the Qur'an properly with tajweed. It takes many years. You're not going to learn it overnight. But we have to start. Number two, learn the meanings of the Qur'an. So have a translation, whatever language you're comfortable with. If you know Arabic, then read directly from the Qur'an. That's the best. And if you don't, then read it. English translation, there's various amounts. Or whatever language. We have no excuse. I believe the Qur'an has been translated in all major languages. So what excuse do we have? So that's number two. Recite or read the translation. Understand the Qur'an. Number three. Practice on the Qur'an. After you read what's inside the Qur'an, the contents, we have to practice. Now you know what the Qur'an says. You have to put it into practice. And number four. Teach it to others. You go and spread what you have learned, inshallah. This is a four-step process. Learn how to recite the Qur'an in Arabic. We have to do it because we stand in salah. Number two, read the translation. Understand what's happening, what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying. Number three, practice. And number four, teach. Everyone can teach. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam didn't say you have to be a, a scholar with a shahada and a, a certificate to teach. He said, He says, teach whatever you have learned from me, even if you know one ayah. Which one of us doesn't know one ayah? Everyone here knows at least Fatiha. Which means each one of us is a teacher of Islam. According to Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he says, teach even if you know one ayah. Everyone knows more than one ayah. So we're all teachers of Islam. So these are things that we have to keep in mind, inshallah. Let us not ignore the Qur'an. We just finished the month of Ramadan, which was the month of Qur'an. Allah says, Shahru Ramadan unzila Qur'an. The month of Ramadan is the month in which Qur'an was revealed. And this is the month of Qur'an and it passed. We recited the whole Qur'an in, in salah. is a huge ni'mah and we show thanks to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How do we show thanks? By not ignoring the Qur'an in the rest of the 11 months. Let us not forget the Qur'an. This is the word of Allah and this is the way we get connected with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and how we're going to have His mercy and rahmah. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for tawfiq. Sallallahu tabarak wa ta'ala ala khiri khalqi Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'een. Bi rahmatika ya rahman rahimeen.